Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So, um, the topic of the talk tonight is um, I'm calling the contagion of goodness. Mm, and I'm, I'm wondering, I sent out something today um, that, uh, uh, about that and this article that, I, that just got published today. Anybody read that, the article from the Huffington Post? Oh good, only one of you. <laughs> I was crossing my fingers because... Uh, <laughs> now you'll get it live. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, this theme was, was coming up for me in the last few days, um, and I thought I'd talk about it, and then I started writing about it, and I said, oh, well, I, why don't I uh, write a, an, an article and, uh, and put it into the Huffington Post, and late last night I did, um, and this morning it was there, and as I read it, this uh, just later on this afternoon, I saw there were a couple of typos that just kind of made me cringe. Oh no! But it seemed like it was good enough that uh, the, the thoughts got through. <clears throat> but if you read it and you see the typos, it was uh, an exhausted mind that just had enough. And uh, um, please forgive me for that. So the contagion of goodness. Mm. This is a crazy world, one could say. You know. But then again, compared to what? It is our world. But uh, every, uh, most every night, or if, if not every night, then I catch up a bit because I, I tape. Uh, I watch uh, Jon Stewart, um, who I love and just think is like the most brilliant guy around um, now that John, Robin Williams is, is, not, is not with us. Uh, but um, I watch him so I can chuckle a little bit at the insanity of our world. <clears throat> because if you don't laugh, as, uh, as Wavy Gravy says, uh, and Wes Nisker has adopted, if you, if you can't laugh, it's just not funny. Um, and sometimes uh, it can get very heavy with the craziness in this world, with all the hatred and war and violence and greed, just kind of rampant and people in power doing uh, seemingly insane things. And you can perhaps get the idea, particularly since the news, that kind of news sells, whether it's newspapers or uh, a few moments of your intention online, um, that is what we're fed a steady diet of. And, and so it's easy to just be so 
depressed and discouraged and thinking, oh, that's what humanity is. That's who we are as a species. But that's not who we are as a species. That's one piece of who we are that gets a lot of um, airplay because uh, the media uh, controls the message. You have to kind of search for the good news or get yes magazine or something positive um, to uh, keep you inspired. But uh, according to uh, the Buddha's teachings, um, our true nature, our basic nature, is, um, is loving and compassionate. When the mind is not confused or obscured by ignorance, when that is removed, when the veils are removed, then naturally love shines through. Naturally um, goodness shines through. And naturally uh, we can awaken to uh, the good news of who we really are, which is not who we think we are. This is a saying perhaps you've heard Self-awareness is usually bad news. But it's not so. It's one level of bad news. You say, oh, you take a look and you go on a retreat, particularly, or you start meditating, and first what you see are all the things that you usually try to distract yourself from seeing. Oh, the judgment, the pettiness, the the wanting, the obsession, the fear, the loneliness, the sadness, you know. Ooh, God, who wants to look at that? Okay. But that's the, the process of, of practice to first be willing to open up. You know, it's like Pandora's box. The first, all the stuff that comes up at the surface is humbling and um, can be discouraging. But the process of being willing to see all of those um, superficial expressions of who we are is to then see that underneath all of those things is a love and a kindness and a goodness and a wisdom that can hold it all. That's the beauty of this practice and that's why it takes, some, it takes a leap of faith and it takes some courage to be willing to first go through the muck and then get to the good news. And all these beautiful qualities, the, the four beautiful qualities, the Brahma Viharas, which we've talked about many times, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and peace or equanimity, are waiting to be revealed when uh, the mind is not obscured and clarity uh, is, um, uh, is at the forefront. And this is also corroborated by uh, neuroscience. 
This is not just a, a, a nice spiritual thought. This is who we are. And uh, I was looking at a, a really fine book called Born to be Good by uh, Dacher Keltner, who runs the uh, UC um, Greater Good Science Center here and does uh, the whole center is devoted to research on altruism and goodness um, and doing, uh, you know, once you have a research study that says, this is what we found. There's a control, exper- control group and a, an experimental group. This is what we fi- found. Then people believe it. Oh, maybe we really are good. You know? <laughs> Or maybe compassion does open the heart. Oh, well, there's a scientific evidence for it. You know. Oh, maybe uh, being, uh, paying attention and bringing awareness is a, is a very useful thing. Oh, well, maybe I'll do it now because science says it so. Anyway, it's great that there's some good science that points to our basic goodness. And, and, and Dacker's book, Born to be Good, is all about the scientific research and the uh, evidence that that's who our, what our true nature is. And I, I was quoting him uh, from his book on this, where he says, we have been designed to care about things. We are designed to care. That's, that's our hard wiring. We are designed to care about things other than the gratification of desire and the maximizing of self-interest. Compassion is wired into our nervous system and encoded in our genes. When you see a, a baby, I've said this before and I say this in the joy course, when you see a, a baby um, that is fed and given um, enough love, change their diapers so that they're not in any discomfort, they squeal with delight, which is one thing we love about being around babies because it reminds us. And the same is true for an adult. If an adult is put in an fMRI machine and um, hooked up to electrodes in their brain, the natural expression of that adult is conscious, calm, creative, caring, and content. That's what lights up in the brain when the mind and the body aren't stressed. That's your true nature. And not only is that who we really are, and I I hope that in your practice, your Dharma practice, your meditation practice, you see that the idea is to uncover more and more the Buddha inside of you. When you say, I take refuge in the Buddha, you're taking refuge in all of those qualities right inside of you. But not only are those qualities there inside of you, but those qualities and that goodness is contagious. That's a very wonderful programming in the system. We resonate 
when we see goodness around us. Again, this is Dacker, Keltner. Kindness can spread across people and physical space within seconds. The emotions that promote a meaningful life are powerfully contagious. So, and we all know this, it's probably one reason why you come here and, uh, and, and sit with others because it's something different than sitting in your, in your home on your own, that we can feel the field of peace or of um, safety and refuge. Or why we love going to um, movies together for a shared experience and laughing at uh, John Stewart if you're watching with somebody or going to a, a, a play with somebody and laughing together and having a whole audience laugh together. There's something quite extraordinary about that. Or uh, for uh, on the other side, um, uh, having a shared experience and being in a field where you're um, all rooting for somebody or something or a team. There's something quite extraordinary about rooting together and cheering your heroes or heroines on. That's why people you know, love going to, going to movies and cheering on their hero or heroine or reading in literature or reading a newspaper that, um, that, that is, uh, has an inspiring uh, story. Um, I've mentioned before, I, when I was younger, I was a season ticket holder to um, the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden in their glory years, if you're old enough to remember you know, Bill Bradley and Willis Reed and those guys. And clearly, uh, at that point in my life, oh, four out of the five top experiences in my life were in Madison Square Garden. You know. And particularly, it was also the fact that we were sharing it together. I used to think that I was good for about uh, one or two points in the crowd because I was so passionate and we'd get our section going and everybody would go, you know, it wasn't just me, but that we did, we were doing this together. And you probably, you know, if you're, if you're uh, any kind of a sports fan, you know the hometown crowd, the home field advantage is extraordinary, particularly in basketball because that's, it's such an enclosed arena uh, that that's, the crowd is good for, you know, a, a few points. Uh, in, in, in football, the Seattle Seahawks have the loudest crowd. They won the Super Bowl last year. They got by far the loudest crowd and people come into that stadium and it's very hard to win there and they're called, the t it's the 12th guy on the team is the crowd. Right? So, but having that, that shared experience, we affect each other and we affect each other in many different ways. We can affect each other in our fear, that can spread in seconds. We can affect each other in our rage, in our despair, 
and we can affect each other, because those are also part of being human, and we can affect each other when the goodness shines through. And that goes through the field. And when you're around someone who has particular quality, um, it rubs off on you, depending upon whose field is stronger. If you are around somebody who is uh, fearful and you are, um, 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 and their energy field is stronger than yours, then that can get transmitted. If you're around somebody who's fearful and your energy field is very centered and stable and strong, that can be transmitted too. You can override their fear and calm them down just by your own centeredness. So we're affecting each other all the time. It's like, uh, I've said this before, where we're, I think of us as um, receiver transmitter energy units as we go through life. We're continually picking up from others and also sending out. And we are affecting the field, taking it in and sending it out. And it's like we're tuning into the same frequencies. We get, uh, we um, kind of have a resonant tone. Uh, and I, I mentioned a couple of uh, weeks ago that uh, I recently is, w- was with uh, Ramdas uh, in, in Hawaii, who was a, a main mentor and, and teacher of mine. And his, uh, his practice is to embody loving awareness. That's what his practice is. To again and again come back, I am loving awareness. And over all the years that he's been practicing, he has pretty much succeeded in that fruition. And you're around his field and you're in this field of loving awareness. And I was high for a week. You know. And it stayed with me for a few weeks after. I still had that glow. And even now I can you know, look at pictures or remember a particular connection uh, that we had and it's like, oh, that, the station is dialed. Oh yeah, right, I'm loving awareness, nice. Because he had a very powerful energy field. And not only, oh, and uh, something I wanted to say is that uh, the Buddha uh, said very clearly that if you want to cultivate a particular quality, that you uh, find other people who embody that quality. Uh, and you might be familiar with the seven factors of enlightenment or seven factors of awakening. Mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, calm, concentration, and equanimity. And he said, in cultivating all of those qualities, there's one common denominator that uh, will support their cultivation. 
Each one has their own set. If you want calm, you do this, this, and this, and this. If you want joy, you do this, 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 and this, and etc., etc. But the one common denominator is being around others who embody that quality. You want to find equanimity? Be around peaceful people. You want to find, you want to cultivate joy? Be around joyful people. The same with all of them. Because he knew about this um, capacity of the human of humans to affect each other. Now, it's not even... Um, we're not even just only affected by our um, by other people. We can be affected by things in the environment that remind us. And there was an article, a beautiful article this week in the Chronicle. It was on uh, in Tuesday's uh, uh, Bay Area section. Uh, the title was "Divine Intervention" with a question mark. And what have anybody read this article? A few people. It was it was great. I, when I, I was reading the paper, and I said, "Whoa!" In fact, this is what made me um, get this talk. As I, I read it, if you want to know the truth, I said to Jane, "Oh my goodness, how cool!" Okay, that's what the talk is about. So I'm kind of leading up to this now. Um, this fellow. Um, I'll read the very beginning. Uh, Dan Stevenson is neither a Buddhist nor a follower of any organized religion. The 11th Avenue resident in Oakland's East Lake neighborhood was simply feeling hopeful in 2009 when he went to Ace Hardware Store, purchased a two-foot-high stone Buddha, and installed it on a median strip in a residential area at 11th Avenue and 19th Street. He hoped that just maybe his small gesture would bring tranquility to a neighborhood marred by crime, dumping, graffiti, drug dealing, prostitution, robberies, aggravated assault, and burglaries. What happened next was nothing short of stunning. Area residents began to leave offerings at the base of the Buddha. Flowers, food, candles. A group of Vietnamese women in prayer robes began to gather at the statue to pray. And the neighborhood changed. People stopped dumping garbage. They stopped vandalizing walls with graffiti. And the drug dealers stopped using that area to deal the prostitutes went away. I asked police, this is Chip Johnson, uh, his article, I asked police to check their crime statistics for the block radius around the statue, and here's what they found. Since 2012, when worshipers began showing up for daily prayers, overall year-to-date crime has dropped by 82%. Robbery reports went from 14 to 3. Aggravated assaults from 5 to 0. Burglaries from 8 to 4. Narcotics from 3 to none. 
prostitution from three to none. Isn't that cool? All we need to do is to be reminded of goodness. And it calls on, what's the phrase, our, our higher angels. It's like there's that part of us that wants to come out and just needs a reminder or an invitation. And here it is. And in the same way, if we're around other energies, that gets reminded. That's why it's so good. That's why the Buddha said, having good friends is the whole of the holy life. Now, we can be inspired by others. Uh, there's a, a, a phrase that this, uh, that's coined called the elevation response. Jonathan uh, Haidt uh, from Harvard, I think he's from Harvard, uh, coined this phrase that um, when we see goodness around us, it awakens that in ourselves. You know, when you hear a wonderful, uh, inspiring story, it awakens that in you and makes you want to be uh, noble yourself if you see nobility around you. Can you relate? Maybe in a little while we'll, we'll see what has brought out the nobility in you. Besides the statue and, the, um, and that story, there's something else that was... Sometimes when, uh, when I get a theme, it's like there's a few messages from from different places in, uh, in my world. And um, the other major thing that, um, uh, that moved me, that so touched me uh, this week, was um, on Monday, it was. And that was um, when uh, I went, uh, Walt was there too, Walt Opie was there, Wes Nisker was there, went down to the Amtrak station uh, in Emeryville on uh, Monday morning <clears throat> to send off uh, 135 people who uh, boarded what they have called uh, the climate train. They had shirts and everything, the climate train uh, uh, travelers, uh, and two of the, the nuns, uh, Aya Santusica and Aya Santuchita, um, Carrie Nelson from, uh, from Spirit Rock, one of the, a manager uh, on the retreats and who has done so much work to, for Spirit Rock's green group, uh, were there. I wanted to see them off, and all of these people, I wanted to just see them as they were uh, aborting, and they're in the middle of right now, we're near the end of five days of going from Emeryville, from California, across the country to New York to join that uh, climate march on Sunday, which uh, they're expecting, who knows how many, maybe it'll be 100,000, there have been also uh, uh, 
um, estimates of maybe 200,000 or more uh, people, and I know people coming from, lot, from all over the country to be part of this because they just had to be part of it. And there's uh, the, the sisters, uh, oh, and, and Tanisra, uh, uh, who's a fabulous teacher. She, she and Kitty Saro uh, lead the uh, South Africa um, uh, Dharma Center, Dharmagiri. Uh, she was there too. Uh, and the, th- the three of them, the two sisters and Tanisra, were giving uh, f- four or five days of teachings, Dharma teachings, and people had their guitars and they were going to have music and just celebrate their shared commitment to, um, to be present for the Dharma, uh, for the climate train and that climate march. And I do have a picture. Um, this was just before uh, they were boarding the train. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, I, put, I, I took this with my phone and I put it in the article and you can see if you if you if you want you can come up later this beautiful picture of uh, Santusica just with this beaming smile uh, and she's holding up a sign that says uh, that her I think it was her seven uh, seven year old uh, uh, grandson or something like that she said tell me what I should make for a sign because the 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 boy was really into her going and he said why don't you write stop doing bad stuff. <laughs> and that's what she has. Uh, uh, stop doing bad stuff, stuff is her sign. Um, and the, the thing about it, even though, you know, this is serious stuff that, uh, and, and so much uh, caring and sadness and all of the, all of the things that, that tear your uh, tear your heart when you see what we're doing to the world. The thing is, there was such incredible joy in that group. It was... It's this amazing alchemy how sorrow can be turned into joy when people do things together that bring out the best in each other. I've shared here before this study that I really love um, that shows that when people hold hands with each other, their threshold of pain and suffering becomes much greater. And actually, when they do things together for a common cause and there's an alignment, there is this... um, Joy that gets uh, shared because there's a, a common co-creation and, a, a, and a, a mutual commitment and caring that you become part of that field. It was so beautiful seeing them. I was just, uh, you know, again, uh, so moved and so delighted and inspired. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine this Sunday when uh, everybody is going to be in Central Park together. And I'm, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, um, we're, uh, Kate and I are doing a weekend this weekend in Mount Madonna. And when I first, um, which if you want to sit for the weekend, uh, it's going to be a good crowd. But if you, if you want to come, 
you can you can come join us. But when I heard about the climate march in New York, I said, "Oh my goodness, I really want to be there." And I called up Kate and I said, "You know, we're scheduled to do this weekend, uh, and I'm I'm just so torn." Uh, but in the end, I decided no it, it, for. Mount Madonna's sake and for my commitment and all that I was going to stay with it. But there's a part of me that wants to be there just to share that, that energy. The Chinese curse, may you be born in interesting times. These are very interesting times, aren't they? As, as a friend says, we're in a race between fear and consciousness. And nobody knows how it's going to turn out. But when I think of the fact that mm, we are contributing to more consciousness and that it's contagious, that the more we show up caring about the planet, developing our own capacity to love, developing our own uh, capacity to see clearly, and that that ripples out, there's a, a, a contagious effect. It's pretty amazing that we can actually be ambassadors for consciousness just through our practice Many people say, oh, maybe it's too late. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it is too late. I think there's certainly going to be continued suffering on, a, you know, on, on quite a, a scale that perhaps we uh, can't yet conceive. But we don't know the bigger picture because there's never been as much consciousness as there is right now on the planet. Never. And certainly never been as much shared information and, um, uh, and connection. And maybe going through these difficult times, this is how I see it, is part of our, um, as Andrew Harvey calls it, dark night of the species where you go through the really hard stuff just like you do on retreat and you come out the other end. And so, who knows, this could be the perfect unfolding as much suffering as there might be. And some people might think, oh, uh, how could we convince everybody to see it to see clearly and to love the planet. You don't have to convince everybody. And I came across this study, I, I, can't, uh, I, I can't find it, but it was stuck in my mind uh, years ago that what's needed for a shift in conventional wisdom and popular opinion is just 7% of the population seeing things in a new way. Because most people are sitting on the fence saying, what do, how are we supposed to think? Yeah. And we can see how change can happen at breathtaking speed 
whether it's about same-sex marriage or in the last few weeks, all of a sudden, domestic violence, which has been going on since, since humans have been around, um, and more than ever these days with our crazy culture, all of a sudden, domestic violence is, oh, we didn't know that was happening. Oh, this is, we can't have this happen, particularly when it hits the National Football League. Then something can change. Uh, and not that it's changing overnight. Of course, those issues take time for, uh, for there, there to be a change in actual behavior. But in the culture, it's clear that's no longer acceptable. It just isn't. Where the most valuable player of the league last year is now out of football because he disciplined his, his child and hurt him. Even though I, I do feel in my heart of hearts he wasn't doing it out of, uh, out of um, wanting to um, harm him, at least. He was doing it out of love. And as he said, he was, that's how he was disciplined when he was growing up. So, but it's no longer cool. And when the MVP is thrown out of football for now, everybody wakes up. Oh, this isn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. So things can change very, very quickly. Mm. So this contagion of goodness, this is, for me, one of the things that makes it so uh, inspiring to deepen our Dharma practice that we're not just doing it for ourselves, we have an effect on everybody in our lives. When you act out of confusion and anger and outrage, that has its rippling effect. When you are seeing through those reactions to a place of deeper understanding and you're in touch with your caring and love, that reminds others, that tunes their frequency as well. So, uh, just to make this more relevant uh, and personal, I'd like you to uh, close your eyes for a moment and go inside. And um, just reflect on who has inspired you? Whose goodness has resonated with you, so touched you that it made you want to be a better person? And remember back when you caught that inspiration. This is perhaps a benefactor for you in your your metta practice. Somebody who has helped bring out the best in you, whether or not you knew them personally or uh, just somebody who you've seen or read 
about or whose book you've read. And see, that goodness, it didn't belong to them. It was passed on to them probably from someplace else, someone else. And as it's activated in you, it doesn't belong to you, but it's awoken something in you and that that gets passed on too. Who will you pass it on to? Perhaps there's people in your life right now who are touched by you, touched by your basic goodness. Have caught it. Or are moved by it. And just seeing that lineage that's come to you and through you and passed on to others, whether now or in the future. And get in touch with when you are aligned with that, how right it feels. It's not something that you have to question and say, well, I don't know, should I or shouldn't I uh, allow that to develop? It feels so right. It feels so true that that's an indication this is who you really are. This is what inspiration is about. Okay, so what I'd like uh, you to do, and we've uh, maybe done something like this before around this topic, uh, but it's up for me now. I'd like you to turn to uh, um, a couple of other people, one or two other people, and just share your uh, story of maybe who you caught it from, or how you uh, how you ha- how you pass it on, but particularly that receiving it and seeing that it moves through you, and you can hear each other's uh, stories of the contagion of goodness, and then we'll come back together in a few minutes and uh, explore it more together. So just uh, right now, introduce yourself to. Uh, a couple of people and and share for a little bit. Okay. And finishing up. Oh, great. Oh, great, great, great. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, you can thank your partners and uh, just for a moment... Go inside now and notice how you feel sharing and hearing each other's stories. This is the elevation response. If you're feeling elevated. If you're feeling depressed, then that's something else. but, uh, But chances are there's uh, an uplift of energy. How many people feel a bit uh, energized and uplifted? Yeah. Here it is. So um, we just have a few, a couple of minutes left. 
Any any question or comment uh, that that might have come up from that before we we end? Uh, thanks for such a beautiful evening. You're most welcome. Thank you. Here, oh, here, Andrew. Wait, wait for the mic and uh, thank you. My sort of critical downer mind was like, really? Do you really believe that the world is more conscious than it's ever been? Like, really? Are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. I want you to say more about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, for one, um, instead of there being different religious or spiritual traditions that are very isolated, that are very um, um, uh, us and everybody else, there is, uh, I think, a spirituality, for instance, now, that uh, including neuroscience and positive psychology and uh, a, a mutual caring that has never been here before. And, and often it's... The people in power are, are not necessarily more conscious than ever, but the vast majority of the population really, I think, I do believe, want peace and are talking about making this a better planet. There's never been the interconnection of the internet and information um, uh, dissemination. There's never been as much sophistication about how, uh, how the mind and the heart work. Look at the mindfulness explosion in the last, last 20 years. Um, we're seeing what leads to true happiness in a way that we never have before. I think it's uh, no question about it. What's that? And it's all around the planet. It's planetary. It's not just a few wise pockets here or there. Yeah. So it's almost uh, time to go. I wanted to give you my, uh, leave you with one uh, elevation story uh, about, and I was, it's so cool that I could just Google it and there it is. Um, I write about this in, in, in my book, Awakening Joy. My heroes when I was growing up, three, three heroes, Gandhi, Lou Gehrig, and Fiorello LaGuardia. And Fiorello, you probably are, you know LaGuardia Airport, Fiorello uh, was the mayor of New York. And I, when I was a kid, my, there was a, a, a fabulous... Uh, play on Broadway called Fiorello and my parents took me to Fiorello and it's, it was so moving and he was an amazing guy, mayor of New York. So let me just read you this to um, share with you. Um, when LaGuardia was mayor, um, he, he, was, uh, he was popular for riding in fire trucks with firefighters, joining police officers on their beats, taking orphan children to baseball games. One bone, uh, icy, bone-chilling night in January 1935, during the depths of the Great Depression, Mayor LaGuardia arrived at a night court in one of the poorest areas in the city. 
he told the judge to take the night off and he presided over the court. Pretty cool in itself. A short time later, an old woman dressed in threadbare clothing stood before him on a charge of stealing a loaf of bread. Did you steal the bread, he asked. She said she did and explained that her daughter's husband had run out on the family, that her daughter was sick and that her two grandchildren had nothing to eat. Turning to the shopkeeper, he asked that given these circumstances, did he really want to press charges? The shopkeeper felt sorry for the woman, but told the mayor, this is a bad neighborhood and that this woman and that this woman needs to be punished to set an example for everyone else. LaGuardia had a dilemma. Under the law, the woman was guilty and would have to be punished, but given her reason for committing the crime, to punish her would be a miscarriage of justice. What would you do if you were the judge? The penalty was $10 or 10 days in jail. What did LaGuardia do? He took out a $10 bill from his wallet and gave it to the bailiff to pay her fine. Then he looked around the crowded... (laughs) Then he looked around the crowded, bustling courtroom and fined everyone there 50 cents for living in a city in which a grandmother had to steal a loaf of bread to feed her grandchildren... He directed the bailiff to collect the fines and hand the money to the defendant. The total collected came to $47.50, including the 50 cents willingly paid by the shopkeeper. After everyone had paid the fine, they gave Mayor LaGuardia a standing ovation. That's goodness. So let's, uh, let's end with a little loving kindness and celebrate the fact that there's such goodness in the world. And that we can be a part of it. And that we can be agents of it. may all feel the goodness inside of them and share their love well. May all see through their fears and confusion and open to the highest happiness and peace inside. And may our coming together have a rippling effect and be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.